brand new podcast where we discuss the films that we feel are underrated or perhaps underappreciated or even ones that have just slipped under the radar passing most people by my name is ariel and i am joined by my brother sergio and our friends alan fred and derek and this show is a collaboration of friends and podcasters comprised of all of us and together we are the undercast company word today we're going to talk be talking about the movie Saving Mr. Banks, a 2013 Disney film starring Tom Hanks, Emma Thompson, Colin Farrell, Paul Giamatti, Jason Schwartzman, B.J. Novak, and Bradley Whitford. I say more names than I normally do because there are just so many well-known names in this movie. The film received pretty good reviews with a 7.5 on IMDb and a certified fresh 90, 79% score on Rotten Tomatoes. And with a $35 million budget, it made its money back in spades, making a little over $117.9 million worldwide. We consider this a more under-the-radar movie amongst the Disney repertoire of amazing films, which their live actions usually do compared to their animated behemoths. Similar to the other Disney live-action movies that were previously discussed, of Pete's Dragon and Sorcerer's Apprentice, which are available when on our other episodes of our podcast, wherever you listen to pod, um, well, actually wherever you're listening to this podcast. So, guys, what did you think of this movie overall? I liked it. Okay, so I chose this movie. Tell him because yeah, Soldier Boy. Sergio in the house. Mm-hmm. Soldier Boy, tell him. I chose this because when I am a. Disney kind of runs in our family. My mom works at Disneyland, and she kind of introduced my what? And our grandmother, uh, my great grandfather, served in World War One. Who uh, my great great grandfather and saw Walt Disney and said hi to him and shot Germans with each other. Shout out to him. Me and Fred were on that. I worked. I worked there. We both worked in Disneyland too. Uh, All right. So yeah, I I didn't. We were there. there. I'm just. I'm the odd guy out. And well, that's okay because this movie is kind of like the odd guy movie in terms of Disney movies because this was released alongside with Frozen the same year, correct? Same, uh, like maybe a week or two after. So uh, yeah, a week or two after Frozen, it was very weird. But um, I, I the reason why I like it is because it does tell the story of this beloved uh, film that we all love, you know, Mary Poppins. And first of all, the, the movie that movie itself is groundbreaking, but just watching this movie tell the story behind that movie um, is really touching to me and and I think it's bold for Disney themselves to kind of point fun at themselves in terms of their story but also kind of honor it and it kind of preserves uh, the story of Mary Poppins in a way that the movie itself couldn't have done and so that that's basically my overview overall perspective on what this movie stands as um, but in terms of like the technicalities we'll get into that later on yeah, um, I'll, well, I'll just get into it and say that, you know, I did say I'm kind of the odd guy out when it comes to Disney. I do like Disney stuff, um, but when it comes to Mary Poppins especially, really, I had seen, obviously, the original when I was a kid. I never saw the sequel. I don't really know that much about Mary Poppins, so I kind of just watched this movie as its own thing, um, as opposed to, I think, a lot of people, you know, watched it in relation to, you know, their relationship to Mary Poppins, where I was kind of like, oh, I remember these songs vaguely. But um, that being said, I think as a movie just standing on its own, um, 
you know about a off a creator it works amazingly uh i really uh, related a lot to her um peel travers emma um character as as because i'm you know an aspiring author too and you do feel a deep connection but she's great um all the minor characters are great uh while disney is played to perfection by tom hanks because you can see he's got that jovial thing but there's a little bit of a darkness there it's a little bit of a the greed and the things he's hiding from the world but he's still businessman exactly he's got the businessman he's the he's the he's the creator it was deep inside but he's also he's got to be the businessman too and i just uh overall like i thought it was just a really well told interesting story and i think i did not know this movie had flashbacks or colin farrell in it which i i fucking love colin farrell anytime i see him in anything i'm like yes 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 this guy is one of the greatest actors of our generation in my opinion and I love the way they handle the flashbacks because over the course of the movie, it does kind of become more apparent that they are, she is kind of, at least through the flashbacks, it is a little bit of an unreliable narration and it's just what you've seen from her memories and they are not exactly what exactly happened. He starts, he go, starts off Colin Farrell's character, her father, as a kind of darker or a very, very jovial character. He becomes more dark as the movie goes along and as her memories of him later in life are a lot more clouded and they become mixed together with the film that they're writing i love that scene where he's saying the speech that they're writing that gets mixed together and you when you see him first pull out the flask on the train i see the flask i'm like okay he's gonna become an alcoholic no one in a movie that has ever drank from a flask has not become an alcoholic it happens in every single movie but i I really love that aspect of all the kind of unreliable narration memory surgery you look like you want to say something to that oh what no 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 i'm just holding my piece uh but i would like to hear what uh district six likes or has something to say about this movie because I know this movie is very Disney propagandic and uh, yeah. Because uh, yeah, for those of you guys who don't know, this is the story about P.L. Travers and Disney's quest to get the rights to make her book Mary Poppins into the iconic movie. So, Fred, what should we say about our former boss? Yeah, the corrupt as well. <laughs> nah, um, Walter not. No. Nah, my man. Nah, when's the when's the Walter not movie coming out? <laughs> it's the the movie. The movie's good. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Starting off, when I first started watching it, I, I kid you not, I was like, yo, this is going to be a boring movie. Straight up. I turned it on, and I started watching a little bit of it. I go, oh, this is not going to be what I wanted it to be. After I started kind of going into it, you start seeing some of the flashbacks. You start kind of getting a little bit more into the story of Mary Poppins, like the movie and the way they're going to try to make it, and then her interactions with Walt Disney and stuff. And you kind of get more intrigued for the backstory of, you know, why why she so, why she so, seems so bitchy. And then you realize that no, she seemed like a fucking bitch. Like I straight up, I straight up saw this movie. and I was like, okay, so I'm gonna see Walt Disney trying so, to fucking so swindle. Can I interrupt and say, yeah, that at the end of this movie, you should have been like, this bitch should have just took a spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down. That's what I thought. Nice. No, I was like, I, at first I thought this is gonna be a movie about Walt Disney trying to swindle this bitch out of her fucking movie. Straight up, that's that's. The, I, I originally thought that's what it was, and in a way, our former boss. No, really? and it was gonna be Good like Walt, like but put in a Walt nice Disney. way. But you know what? When I saw it, you know, there's a lot of heart to it. There's a lot of stuff to it. I, I enjoyed it. And there were times where I was a little like, uh, but it, it was, I kid you not, though. I did pause the movie a couple times when I was watching. It's just too much cringe for me. Like, in the sense of when the dad's getting drunk and how you feel bad for the girl. Like, you just feel bad for her. And I was like, man, I can't take this. Sh- I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to get punished watching a movie. And that's what I felt when I was watching her scenes. Like, it just it hurt to watch some shitty ass dad do his shit. Now I get it that it's he's still at the same time he's still a good dad and that's what sucks because you're like man this guy's cool and he's trying for his family but then you realize no he skipped out of work because he doesn't want to fucking work because he's a drunk 
And I think that's that, why that's he's there playing like with the kids. The memories of him being a good dad and a bad dad kind of mixing together. Yeah, because you don't, you as a kid, you only see your dad. She began to notice how shitty his dad was the moment she went to the bank and the guy was like, I was going to fire you exactly. because your kid's here. And that's when she realizes my dad ain't shit. Yep. And that's when your whole world crumbles. Well, it, it comes down to also like that coming from that, like this interpretation of how you see a, not just your parents, but other adults through the eyes of a child and, and in your childhood, how you see them originally. And then kind of like that veil, it, it, the veil slowly being drawn back little by little throughout this movie of and her childhood in a sense kind of being taken away by this her experiences in a way you know but the only thing i was wondering this whole time is i'm assuming the mother died probably right because you know maybe they're older where the fuck's the sister at oh you mean when she's older they're in australia no, no, but when they're older, because I, yeah, the I... They're in Australia. Or are you talking about her, her, her sister? Her, no, sister. Her, her, her sister. Yeah, they're probably back to still Australia, because that's where she's from. Yeah, I feel like, I think, like, at that experience... If we, I, I don't know the yeah. story of people traveling yeah, no, Like I said, no, I was just wondering, because since they were all in the picture, I thought you might get a sense of, like, where people were at the end. Not, not that it's important. Well, not that it had anything to do. I just said, yeah. I just wondered, like, oh, I she, wonder where they fucked people like were. She felt like she was a very secluded person, and I... I I don't know the story of P.L. Travis, Yo, but what it about, wouldn't be surprising what if it about, was like, I thought, movie, though, you know. I thought she was going to go sleep with a driver. My boy Paul Giamatti? They had a, they had a connection. They gave each other a hug. It was oh, very... Oh, man. He had a wife he had a kid. A, yeah. And a like, paralyzed kid or whatever. Uh, what, when, when did this movie take place? What year did it take place? In the 60s. Yeah. In the 60s. And when did guys give a shit in the 60s about what women want? Well, a nice person that like Paul Giamatti... Well, the thing about Paul Giamatti's character is that it's a, it was a culmination of, of a bunch of different drivers that, that she had. So... Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. I did. Yeah, I, I just, I just they, thought, they I just thought, that I just seemed like they had a really tight connection. Like if you guys, if you guys saw the movie I saw, right? Which was I, her. I did not her pick digging, up on that because they were digging that little moat. They were putting a little flower together. They're having like a nice conversation. The only guy that she actually genuinely talked to is what I'm saying. The only guy that she genuinely talked to there out of everybody and actually had a conversation and actually remembered his and and was happy to see him yeah no but i'm saying like well because she starts off too but then she gives like an underling and then they evolve she kind of learns to treat like a person that was that was the underlying thing that we missed disney was trying to hey for the adults let me give you a story here's a little story i think that's just you reading this and this i'm telling you guys if you guys saw the same movie i did which you should how many times have we not Looked in between the lines for every Disney Listen, animated film. What you guys got to do is open up your third eye, How open up that, open up no, your no, chakra, no. open up Fred, that soul, I and see you. it. Thank I'm you. I'm on you. Thank you. I believe you because how many times have we have have we seen sex when Simba? Yes. And Nala oh, the, the jump into uh, jump into flowers. How many times have we seen the Dick Buildings and Little Mermaid VHS cover? There you go. That's true. It's there. Hey, didn't didn't they also say that the chef that was chasing a Little Mermaid had an erection? No, it wasn't the chef. It was the the priest. That's who it was. And see, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you got to look underneath. You need to see it. The, my favorite former boss yeah. was Disney. That's oh, right. This Disney is, loves to throw shit I mean, I knew talking about a Disney movie, we were going to talk about all the Disney, the conspiracy stuff, and I love it. That's why I... I <laughs> that's why, <laughs> that's why, why you genuinely picked this Because there's so movie, much yeah. stuff to talk about. Did you know Bolt, the dog, was voiced by Bruce Willis? Oh, yeah, no, he no, wasn't. He wasn't. John, John Travolta. Travolta. Wow. Scientologist. <laughs> I, I fucking just throw that out there. You're thinking of Oliver and Company. Don't no, you? no, it wasn't no, Oliver. Oliver doesn't Oliver and Company Bruce from? Willis. No, wasn't yeah. Oliver? No, that was just a random fucking. Hang on, joke. hang on. I, I was trying to fuck with people. I will bet you twenty dollars right now. Oh, I'm gonna look that up. He's man. joking. I no, understand. I'm fucking No, no. I'm just trying, yeah. I'm trying to make his weird theories out of nothing. All right. Okay. <laughs> What'd you think of the movie, though, Alan? Oh, I thought it was wonderful. Like honestly, 
for me, I'm I'm a big fan of like film, obviously, but I love like the 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 behind the scenes. Like I, I like Tom Hanks was spellbinding. Like he, he was, was just so fucking so good. Oliver was a cat, like, right? Like you know what it felt like? It was like he even did the di- the t- the two finger or four finger Disney point. Exactly. No, that's what I when me and me and Fred were working there, we had to be taught that like yeah. you can't point with one finger. You have that's to do two. four or two. It was four yeah. or two. He did when that. He put, I still do that to this day. But what I loved was just like Tom Hanks was wonderful. He was just so good, so great. Like like it felt like Santa Claus. I don't think anyone else could have really pulled it off. Like nobody, no, 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 no other actor can do it well, because every time I'm, I'm so sorry, but every time Homeboy was just trying to sell it, he's like, "Yo, I'm just trying to make Mary Poppins. I'm trying to do it for you. I'm just for trying my to kids. My daughter's out there. Going. Uh, you know, my daughters they love your books. Now, 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 now Beverly, what, what was her name? Was Pamela. Thank you, Pamela. Please, please let me have the books because my daughters love it. You know, and I understand because I made the mouse, and I and I would love to have those the daughters. They just love it. I told, I made a promise. You got to keep a promise. Exactly, and dude, it was like fucking Santa Claus. It was like Santa Claus trying to sell you a deal, and the whole <laughs> fucking time I was like, dude, fucking take it. What is wrong with you? It's Santa. It's I mean, obviously now we think about it because we see all these amazing pictures come out of a uh, Disney over like almost a hundred years. But that's because when I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know all the history behind it. But, like, when watching it, she's just like, nah, dude, I ain't about that life. And he's like, don't be a bitch. I'm fucking Santa <laughs> Claus. I am. Th- I-, I created Disneyland. Yeah. And our hometown here. And lovely. Yeah, no, and so, so my, I'm watching this, and my roommate comes about halfway through out the movie. And it's the part where he's like, hey, let's go to Di- Pamela. We're going to Disneyland. And he's like, how many people can say they would have a tour of Disneyland from Disney itself? My roommate just goes, I would give my fucking right arm exactly. to get a tour exactly. of Disneyland from Disney. Fuck yeah. And like, she was just so like, no, nah, dude, fuck you. I don't care about who you are, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, this guy, it's fucking but, Santa Claus. But that's, I get it too. That's Yeah, that's what makes it interesting though because you see Pamela Travers, it's a very good clash of characters because he's like Disney's like this Santa Claus of a figure, and then exactly, he goes, yeah. oh, "I don't care, I'm, 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 you know." And I get it from her care. perspective. You were from as being an author, like, like, and you know, like that kind of creator. You, you love your creations. You don't want to see somebody else do something with them that you wouldn't do. You know, so okay. I get both yeah, sides. You want it, yeah, you want it adapted correctly. You want it to be come out exactly how you want it. But at the same time, it's just this lovely, like, like, like it's just this whole battle between each other where you're like. I want him to do it because it's Disney. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, I, I appreciate uh, creations. Like, uh, I yeah. like uh, creators. I like yeah. creators yeah. doing their own fucking thing and adapting their own thing. Like, especially like movies nowadays where like, you know, Quentin Tarantino, he writes, he directs, sometimes he acts in his own films and his pictures. Sadly, he sense. acts in them. I'm sorry? <laughs> I said sadly, he acts. Sadly, sadly he acts Australian. Oh, uh, Django, what's going on that Django? Django, you're nothing but a slave. I'm an old Django. With that whole thing about... Disney did say in the movie that he did sympathize with what he, he she was going through because it happened to him with Oswald, and then it ha- it almost happened to him again with Mickey. Oswald Cobblepot? Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Snatched away. Oswald. And they traded him back for a sportscaster at 80 years ago. Homeboy. No, I get you. But Homeboy. Pixar's Up Easter Eggs. Charles Mintz or Muntz was based off of Charles Mintz or Muntz, the Universal Executive who stole Oswald. Sorry. Just like they took the Hulk. Yeah. Go ahead, my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, for me, of course, I, I love this movie. Like, I mean, I, me and Junior are, came from a Disney family ourselves. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's just it, it was such a deep movie. Like just going from like the heartbreakingness of P.L. Travers's story, that was like really well told, and then going back to watching it this time, I realized that, like I said earlier, that like you know the tragedy um, was always there in the background, but because the story is being told by a child's eyes, it's someone hidden. And so that, that initial viewing of it, you don't really notice this, like, downward spiral that's happening. So I felt like that was, like, just an incredible way of, of telling the story of P.L. Travers. And um, this movie does, if you are a, a Disney fan, this movie is, like, just a love letter to you and, and to the Disney culture. And it does just an incredible justice to not just Walt Disney himself, but about his legacy and, like, the first look that you see of um, Paul Giamatti's character is with uh, the classic happy, ha- uh, happy to help Disney cast member like attitude, and as well as um, the Mickey Mouse pin on his that he wears on his lapel, and how it sh- it holds so much as importance as like the American flag. Oh, hold on, thing. I don't I don't want to interrupt, but did you see that that Paul Giamatti had also a pin of di- of Mickey there? And I swear to God, for a second there, remember when she was sign- when she was signing the book for him. I know, I know, it's just me, but I wish it would have been that he had the contract there, and she would have signed the contract. And he was like, "Gotcha, bitch!" And then he was <laughs> Yo, gonna go back. Yes, right, that would be right. Because that's what nasty. I thought. Because I saw the pin, like, I, it was a close up. But I bet you it's something that everybody that works there has to wear. Mm-hmm. But I just saw it, and I was like, "Yo, he's gonna be like, you signed the contract," because she threw it back at, at, at Walt. And then he's the one driving her, and I was like, yeah. "Yo, Walt Disney well, fucking like, did it. He fucking did it again." That's like a politician wears the American uh, flag. Pen another, another fucking so. banger. Another banger. Been, yeah, you, you never know. That might be, that might have happened. And yeah, propaganda's just trying to hide it from us. Damn, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just saying. I think that espionage part would have made this movie just that much higher in quality. Dude, right? It just that becomes a spy thriller insane. halfway through. A spy thriller of just trying to get the rights of a book. Yes, that'd be fucking yes. hype. And yes, then, I mean it's not like. And then double seven just comes out. There, we weren't trained. I don't know what you're talking about. Things like that. Okay. This is well, all false. I was my... never trained to do things like that. Under the Walt Disney Company. Well, but I digress. Ariel? <laughs> Going back to my point, um, how it shows a uh, culture that Disney inspired in the people around him. And, and it continues to inspire of the cast members. If you don't know, the cast members are employees of, of the Disney Company. Um, of spreading magic and being proud of the work that they do. And um, even if it is just being a simple driver. So I felt like, that, like this whole movie for, for me was... Again, a love letter to Walt That's, Disney. They hear, Walt they Disney's hear what you're saying now. The plane's flying over right now. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. If you guys oh. hear the plane in the background, they're, they, they're on to us. They're yeah. on to us. We're literally across the street from Disneyland, so they probably heard us. We're praising Disney. We, we should be thinking. They should be dropping confetti on us right now. Um, but, yeah, it was a love letter, and I, it was a very enjoyable love letter to Disney culture, Disney fans, and just Walt Disney himself. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is a lot of people accuse this Dumbo? movie of being Dumbo propaganda? Of <laughs> like that's why they they made this. There's a lot of people who have this conspiracy that they literally only made this movie so they would make uh, they could make the sequel to Miss, uh, Mary Poppins and that they would make them look good. What do you guys mm. think about that? If anything, and I said this earlier before to you guys, if anything, I think that watching this movie makes the fact that the existence of a Mary Poppins Returns movie even more insulting because the fact that it does not need to exist and it wouldn't have existed but it, the only reason why it exists is because of Disney's current current climate that because it's going to make money and 
even if it doesn't even if it's of quality it doesn't need to exist yeah and and interestingly enough this movie had a weird kind of road to being made um and where it clearly was not made originally by disney it was started as like an indie film that was like kind of being looked at by the bbc and it was inspired by a documentary actually about peel travers and it was re- that documentary was released by, in, by bbc yeah um, so and the movie actually Disney they had to go to Disney to get the rights to do it obviously because they have Di- Walt Disney as a character in this movie Disney looked at it they said okay we'll just buy the rights to it and they were thinking about maybe just like shelving it because they're like this is not the greatest look for Disney but they you know said you know what let's actually just put it out ourselves and and uh, they they just kind of owned it they're like we're gonna for the first time ever have Walt Disney like as a major character in a movie this is this never happened before. And I think they did a good, even job with it, honestly. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think it, it gives me more, this movie gives me more respect to Disney because, you know, the past is the past. And it's it's good It's to recognize your leader's flaws is a great thing because it's like, you know, yeah, he was he, he wasn't the best pe- person, but he was a he was a person. And as a, you know, he was Disney. And so yeah. and it gives me more respect for the company as a whole. Not 100 percent historically accurate. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you know what? This movie didn't get it right, uh, historically accurate, so it's not... Like, Amadeus is one of my favorite movies ever. Scalari did not kill Mozart in real life. That's not, like, destroying, like, this guy's reputation. People know it's fiction. Same thing goes for the movie. It's not all going to be completely... But it is a movie. It's not a documentary. It wasn't 100%, but they did use, um, for example, like, um, Disney wasn't there for like the the beginning of pl travers's visit to the um to california but they took some the, liberties but yeah but i mean they also did add some historical okay. elements to it because um there were correspondents that were used as dialogue for this movie. but i was gonna say here's my thing right mm-hmm. but it's disney right disney puts out this movie won't people kind of maybe take this into fact because it almost seems like it's a story of like Walt Disney and some of his stuff. Like, won't it kind of help their image in the sense of like to their own fans who matter the most, honestly? Well, yeah, uh, this movie does honor a lot of Disney fans. Like a lot of things that you wouldn't even catch if you weren't a Disney fan. So, I mean, obviously, I think they're already going into this movie a little bit based. They like you know without biased? this without even no based, based. without this based without this movie. About that even, base, no trouble. No trouble. Without this movie already, if they're going into it with that uh, with that mindset, then it's like, well, then all this is going to do is reinforce it. I mean, like I said, it does go into flaws of, of Disney as a person, but, I mean, it's still this Disney. And, you know, oh, he smokes behind doors because he doesn't want to spread bad habits. I think that habits. scene was, was pretty <laughs> metaphor because it's like, yeah, there is this other side of Disney that you don't get. It's not just the smoking, but it is like there is this other side of him. That oh, yeah, there's a, a lot of... That he's yeah. get, keeping covered up from everybody. He's trying every sort of tactic to get the, the rights to the to this book. And it's I found it strange how they were already working on Mary Poppins before he even secured the rights to it. That was very strange. Maybe that was just another tactic of his to show P.L. Travers what they were doing. But, yeah, like, he, he, he tried to... He brought her to Disneyland. He, he you know... He flew to England himself into her house just to meet with her and, you know, tell her, like, I'm going to treat this property with respect. And, you know, so that was very interesting to see from Disney, of Walt Disney, of all people, this Santa Claus. You know, Santa Claus flies to your house and says, give me your property. 
But I think it also shows like like I don't know if this was really um it didn't really happen in real life, but it kind of like the one thing that I really enjoyed about this is that it kind of ended up being that it showed similarities between the two basically artistic creators that that were butting heads throughout this whole movie that you know P.L. Travers's judgment of of Walt might have been um stern from both like similarity her him being well there's certain parallels is what you're saying right yeah there were parallels to her and him but also there were parallels to him and his her um father and Mm -hmm. mainly about um like it like there's these certain elements i really enjoyed about the similarities of like this possibly kind of like maybe describe trying to explain her disdain for him in a way of like how um especially like with walt being a father that is trying to keep the promises to his little girls and um might have kind of triggered her in a way because her father tried to do the same for her and her her sisters and, yeah her um, father was a very disney-like that, kind of figure yeah where he was like all about the fun but he had that darker side too yeah well that's probably why she was so like adamant about being like no yeah i don't want my own property because like when you think about it when you create something and it, and it has such fame that's like having a child and when you have a child you, you want your child to be successful you want them to go out and be big kind of thing and i think her whole thing was like a parallel between disney being like this huge excuse me like santa claus-esque kind of figure jesus figure whatever like when you say disney everybody goes i know what you mean and that's also like why she might have had resentment because he is a father that could have the power to keep and and he mentions it and like you said he mentions it that like i'm trying to keep my promises with my children she's probably like no, fuck that. You, you, I don't want you to you know do what because I, thought I, saw? I was wronged at one point in my own life. Now, you know what I saw is she literally wrote the story is the story of her family's life. Yeah. Mr. Banks is her father, and that's why she gets mad when she goes, why do you make him to be such a mean man? Mm-hmm. He is not a mean man. Mary Poppins is the aunt. I mean, this literally is maybe her perfect vision yeah, and of what her family's that, missing. Yeah, when she yeah. takes out the stuff of the bag, it's like in a very Mary Poppins yeah. way where it's impossible, and that's kind of like her exactly. memories are of her aunt are more of this kind of perfect figure, this Mary Poppins-esque figure yeah. than probably what she actually and was. And I think that's why she had such a hard time letting it go because she goes, "You're tra- why are you trying to change my perfect vision of, of what I saw in my family and my, my nucleus? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. when an author writes a book, they're putting their all into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Every little fucking No, no, and thing. I get that, but I'm, I'm saying I think this is even one step further than just that. Like, this is literally like, this is my family yeah, life. Like, I'm... It's, her, I'm, it's catharsis. It's like a, 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 no, it's an autobiography is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, it's an autobiographical catharsis kind of like, book. Because it's, it's essentially, she literally, like as she said, she started crying with Mr. Banks, and then she even started crying on screen when she saw his redemption arc because she feels like my dad's going to be re- yeah. redeemed in yeah. this thing. Yeah, Because it literally was my dad, my, my aunt, my mom, you know, the, the brother is probably like the other sister. And it's all these, it's, it's, it's basically her family, which she w- wish she wish she had was like the perfect life. Yeah. And I think that's why um, the flashbacks are kind of effective too. Yeah. Cause the flashbacks are going hand in hand with the development yes. of Mary Poppins, uh, the film, you know, as we're seeing, we're basically seeing the meaning of Mary Poppins and what, and each scene, mm-hmm. what it means to her and what it came from basically in yeah. her life. This is what it came from. Um, and then, yeah, going back, that scene, uh, the speech, with his speech being synced to the, the bank kind of intermingling, song. Intermingling, yeah. Intermingling. That was so, like, that was very creative. Like, that one little moment out of this entire movie did, like, 
catch you and it's like oh my god this is like really th- like they're really going into it you know what i mean oh, so yeah. just seeing that and then like yeah the whole thing uh just seeing how where this came from and how sad it was too um that was really effective for me yeah um did you guys want to go into why you guys think this movie has kind of been more of an under the radar movie why it wasn't a big big disney tentpole well like we said earlier this came um about around the time as frozen did so that definitely took it it, um definitely like took the um what's that word the um stole its thunder yeah it stole its thunder basically especially from disney um because i don't think it was heavily promoted it wasn't. It was too kind much. of because like, yeah. it was based on an indie film, and it does have that indie film style. It's not like a big. Disney, doesn't feel like a big summer Disney tentpole. Yeah, and definitely like if you were if you're a true Disney fan, then you are, were definitely acknowledged about it. Um, but also because it, it's kind of a theme with that we've been seeing with these podcasts of of Disney live action movies, even though they're very well done and and really good um they don't really gain as much traction as disney's animation yeah. sometimes is, they'll have the, like the big breakout ones but it's like one in three or four you know yeah you have the, you'll have your pirates of the caribbean you have one of the for every one of those you have you have you know five or six saving mr banks yeah exactly so i think you have that your black cauldron or you have your peach dragon all that stuff you know yeah mm-hmm. um well, uh, yeah, a lot of the underratedness of this movie does translate to it being Disney, and it's like one of those, um, in like those standalone Disney movies where it's just kind of like it's not their big money maker; it's just a movie, and that's why I like it because it's a, uh, it's just a movie that they made. Um, but there is there are like choices in the movie that I like kind of you know they don't like um, that I don't like at least, um, and a lot of that is the cheesiness that goes along with it being a Disney movie. Um, but that kind of cheesiness does work sometimes because of like the hacksaw ridge effect where it's like it's super cheesy like the choice of music is cheesy the editing at times is cheesy and very like childish but then that also kind of like makes the kind of alcoholism and like the depressionness of of her childhood even more surreal yeah yeah because of uh you know and unlike hacksaw ridge i think it was done really well in this movie Ooh, okay well i mean in hacksaw ridge it's like Oh, frolic in a field of flowers. Will you marry me? Will you be my girl? And then next thing you know, you're in the trenches and watching people like get blown off. You know, yeah. limbs blown off and killing Japanese. So splendid. yeah, it's very splendid. Yeah. But um, yeah. But um, uh, underratedness. Uh, yeah, just uh, Disney in general. It's just like there's sides of Disney that make money, and there's sides of Disney that you know people do not really care about. Oh uh, well. If I can go into detail, um, I think it's very underrated. I think it's a very wonderful f- film. I'm a dude who loves like the behind the scenes. I love the behind the scenes of the big picture of everything like that. You know, I know right now. I think they just dropped uh, fr- framing John DeLorean, which I'm so fucking excited yeah, to watch. Yeah. I cannot wait, especially because I love the vehicle, not specifically just because of Back to the Future. But just because that whole story behind it—it's such an interesting so story. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I love that kind of. It's like there's a quote uh, in Community how he says, you know, 
Hearts of Darkness, the documentary about making Apocalypse Now, was much better than Apocalypse Now. And it's kind of like the story behind. Or, the story. Yeah, or even like uh, what is it? Room uh, two three two. Yeah, Room two three seven is amazing. It's fucking amazing. Like I, I like the Shining book yeah, yeah. better. It's a documentary than the movie about Shining. People, crazy people and their theories about the Shining. But it's yeah, the, great. The, the documentary of the Shining is fucking fantastic. But this movie exactly, especially since I've worked with the company like ten years ago, and and like there was a scene where like they're they're making the music for for Mary Poppins. Like preemptively, you know, prematurely making the music. And I remember just seeing that scene. I was like, I've been there. I've worked there. Where like that magic that they're trying to create, they're, they're trying to make it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Fred probably knows himself. But like when I was working there, I, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed working there. I liked it a lot. I just had to quit because of familial reasons. But like stuff like that where like, you know, they're trying to make the music and they're trying to go all their out. Like they're just trying to like go full ham on it. I was like, dude, yes, I was there. Not in that moment, but I was like, I was there in the park where they're telling you like how you you, you need to go ham. You need to make these people feel like they're away. And then every time I was there working, like you look up to the sky, you just see plants and trees and everything. You, you're not there. You're, you're not in Anaheim, California. You're in Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah, the Disney bubble. It's a real thing. That's what Ariel was going on about. Like, every little cast member does. And, like, yeah, this does go into that whole Disney thing. Like, even the driver, Paul Giamatti, had that, like, Disney magic. And while we were watching the movie, when when they entered Disneyland and Paul Giamatti, the driver, got excited at, like, oh, my God, it's him. It's him. Ariel asked me, is he doing that as an employee or is he, like, genuinely excited that he's seeing Walt Disney? I said, Yes, you he's, don't know. He's That's doing the, it because it's, you, you it's him. Know. Like, even if I was working there, I mean, I, when I was working there, and like somehow Walt Disney was still alive, and he fucking rolled up, I I would probably be like, oh shit, it's the boss. I'd probably like fucking get my shit straight. You know, I worked in New Orleans, so I'd get my vest all nice and ready, get fix up my tie and shit. I'd be like, dude, it's the boss. Like, I can't fuck around. And like, cause there is magic. Like, I mean, even like when I was working there, you know, there's times. Where people are like, you, you can't even go into the wrong land. Like, like I was in New Orleans and I went to fucking Tomorrowland. I had to book it. And even then, what I appreciated about that was they're like, dude, if you're walking past that land, get the fuck back backstage because you can't ruin the magic. And even there was even times where I was like, yeah, I don't want to fuck it up. Because I would see the characters backstage, you know, I'd see Darth Maul training or whatever. I'd see the, the princesses, you know, getting all dolled up and stuff. And it does ruin the magic for me because I'm working there. But... I've literally seen, you know, sorry to spoil the magic for the people that love Disney. I've seen, you know, a, a five foot one girl put on the fucking Mickey helmet or mask or whatever and walk to the front. Wow, and, and secrets, it's wow. Magic. Like, you literally see, like, from one end to the other, I'm, I'm seeing her put it on. She's kind of just like, whatever, you know, shoulders down, poor posture. And then as soon as she walks through that threshold, fucking everybody loses their shit. They're like, oh, my God, that that's Mickey Mouse. And I can see, like, from both worlds, you know. So, like, I, I just love shit like that. So, that's why I love that movie so much when I watched it. Because, like, I was... I remember seeing it at a hotel. I was on vacation myself. My girlfriend was taking a shower. And I just showed up on TV. And I was enthralled. Because I was like, oh, shit. This is, like, what I went through. Like, in a similar aspect. Not exactly. I'm not fucking... You know, I didn't make Mary Poppins or anything. I was just a lowly fucking host in New Orleans. But just that kind of magic... Like, just seeing that, like, hey, like, dude, I want to fucking make this. I want people to be blown away by, like, the magic that you've made, and I want to adapt it in my own way as well. Yeah. It's it's fucking crazy. Yeah, you know? yeah that's, that's a really good way to put it. 
but yeah, I think I think we all would re- definitely recommend this movie, right, guys? Like I've oh, never yeah, seen I it before. It. it it really surpassed my expectations. I I I really loved it a lot. I I was just kind of like, oh, this might be interesting. And again, great. fucking Tom Hanks, spellbinding, oh, my wonderful. God. Well, Sergio joked, but that Tom Hanks is um, on a mission to to play every American hero. Um, cultural hero that that's ever been born. Uh, Tom Hanks is going to be a Pancho Villa in the next movie. Well, he's going to be Mr. Rogers next, so, and then he was Sully ap- after this too. Well, Tom Hanks is going to be, I think, what was it, like 2020 release, Martin Luther King. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes sense. He's going to be every iconic yeah. uh, person he, he, ever. He, after he got Luther cast, King. he said it was like, uh, I'll quote, uh, an opportunity to play someone as world-shifting as Picasso or Chaplin. So like he exactly. had no, the right. yeah. I completely yeah. agree with that. The only other person I could I could think he can beat or top that is if he plays Woody from Toy Story. Oh man, that would be something <laughs> else, wouldn't it? Imagine that. If only. All right. Uh. Well. Uh. Fred, any last yeah, words? Any last I word? mean, you were also. Nah, I'm good. Uh, All right. No. Okay. <laughs> well, Ariel, you want to close this out? contract. Yep. Yep. Um. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um. Hit that subscribe button on your podcasting app to make sure you are always notified when a new episode of this show comes out. And continue to hear us babble. And please, if you are willing, give us a rating and a review. It really helps and lets us know what else. And, and also let us know what um, what you'd like to hear from this podcast. Because we can only get better with your help. So once again, we are the Undercast Company. Made up of myself, Ariel, and Sergio Ortiz of Nerd Incorporated. That's at Nerd Incorp on Instagram. Alan and Fred Torres from District so 6. Shout out. And Derek McDuff, who I also guest star on his Marvel podcast, Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, where we most recently had an incredible discussion on Avengers Endgame. And um, we'll be recording our next one after Spider-Man uh, Far From Home and discuss the continue to dis- discuss the future of the MCU and um, the current um, world of the MCU as well. Um, we'll be back soon with another film, so stay tuned. And thanks for being amazing. See you in another life, brother.